You're listening to the Derms and Conditions Podcast. Well, I'm Jim Del Rosso from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm very pleased to bring to you another program of Derms and Conditions Podcasts. And I am bugging somebody in the middle of their their American Academy of Dermatology meeting in Tampa. I'm pleased she's willing to uh, to talk today with me here. Uh, and her name is Dr. Sharif Fry, and she is a program director of dermatology at Howard University in Washington, D.C., where she does clinical practice, teaches residents, teaches students in dermatology, and does clinical research. So welcome today. It's great to have you here, right? Thank you so much for having me. So I have to tell you, I, I, I forget which meeting it was, Derm Squared. It may have been a fall clinical, winter clinical, maybe a, the residence meeting or one of those meetings. The first time I saw you, I'm like, who is this? <laughs> you did a phenomenal job. You're talking about skincare and cosmeceuticals. And I know you certainly know a lot more than that, but, uh, you know, you certainly... You certainly had done a great job there. So I started rewriting that Stevie Wonder song, My Sharia Moore. And I would say, <laughs> My Sharia, My Sharia Fry, we love you in dermatology, right? I changed, I changed those words. So I am going to. <laughs> I was to, actually named after that song. That's great. You were named after that song. So I remember that. Maybe some of the people uh, listening today, they don't, they don't remember that song, but we. We know about that song. Anyway, you were named after it. That shows the difference between our ages. But let's get started. So uh, what I would like to ask you about, I have quite a few questions about what you actually do. Um, so I want to make believe I've been shrunk down. You know, Jim DeRosso has been shrunk down, and I'm just standing behind, a, a you know, a bottle of hand cleanser or something that's on on the counter in one of your patient rooms. And, and I'd like to talk to you about how you manage skincare, specific recommendations that you might give. And in the first part, talk about a few different clinical situations. So maybe a patient with acne, a patient with rosacea, a patient with atopic dermatitis, the, the common things that people see, or someone that just asks you that question, you know, what should I do for my skin? That's that general question, just somebody that's there. So let's start with the general question. Somebody's in the office, you're seeing them, they think they have a skin cancer or an atypical nevus or a mole or whatever, and they say, you know, Dr. Fry, you know, I, I just don't know exactly what to use on my skin. There are so many choices. And take it wherever you want to go with the, the type of patient, oily, dry skin, light skin, dark skin, just let, let it roll. Dr. Fry. Well, I think both of us are aware of this boom in the skincare industry. Um, and patients come in, just like you said, skin examination patients, acne patients, atopic dermatitis patients, everybody wants a skincare regimen because that's what they see on TV. This is what they're hearing from their friends. Oh, you don't have a skincare regimen? What's your skincare regimen? So even patients that may not typically see a dermatologist are now coming to me specifically just for a skincare regimen. And I think that that can be a little bit annoying if we're honest to some dermatologists. You know, they don't feel like they have the time to sit there and talk to their patients about skincare. But I do want 
to emphasize that if they're seeing a dermatologist for skincare, then I think from a branding perspective, we're doing a really good job, right? They are understanding that dermatologists are the skin experts. And so I think there's a little silver lining there for us that our message is getting across because patients are confused. Who do I go to for skincare? You know, do I listen to you know, these uh, social media influencers? Do I listen to my esthetician? Uh, so whatever we've been doing branding wise is working because I definitely have patients that come in. I think what you said is so important because I, I know even in a lot of dermatology offices, they may pass that off to maybe one of their medical assistants or nurses yes. or an esthetician. But, but for myself, and I'm going. To, I'm trying to get a, a grade A plus from you here. I, I think it's important for me to at least start to explain, in in maybe the limited time I have, some of the things that I think are important, and then we'll get to them specifics that may be handed off to somebody else to go into a little bit more detail and make sure we're all on the same page in the office. Because if I'm telling them one thing, the MA is telling them another thing, and now they go to the esthetician who's doing something totally different. We're confusing the people in our own office. Exactly. There has to be consistency. We've compounded with the confusion that we, the confusion they came in with. So I'll let you continue on, but I think that's so important. I think skincare is very important to what we do. So let's kind of break it down. Let's talk about the patient who just wants advice on skincare. They don't necessarily have acne or atopic dermatitis, but like we said, they're coming in for a skin exam and they want to talk to you about a good skincare regimen. The first thing is take a deep breath, right? Because the last thing you you have time for in your busy schedule is to sit there and talk to someone without quote unquote problematic skin about their skincare regimen. But we need to take that opportunity, just like you said, in a brief moment to validate, yes, dermatologists are the experts in in skin, including skincare. And then I think one of the ways you can start to incorporate um, skincare into your practice is have a few skincare products in your office. I don't care what the brand is, even if it's just your gentle cleansers, you can sell those in your office instead of sending patients to these chain drug stores where they're going to encounter a mountain of options. Even within a brand, they may be confused, right? Because some of the brands have several different cleansers. So you can just build for yourself a simple skincare regimen that you're able to give to your patients right there in the office. And so instead of having a ton of SKUs, kind of scale back, really teach your medical assistants or your estheticians about those products. And these are for people who maybe don't have a a large cosmetic practice, but just have a few things there and kind of make it simple for the patients. Have a normal uh, skincare regimen, have a oily skin skincare regimen and, and a dry skin skincare regimen. And then again, validate, yes, you've come to the right place for those concerns. Start the conversation, you know, always starting with sunscreen, things like retinoids, antioxidants. And then from there, you can hand it off. But I think we do need to take a moment to validate it because we're talking out of both sides here when we say, oh, we have these influencers and what do they know about dermatology? But they're filling a gap that, for the patients, right? So we can find simple ways to, to help um, keep our sanity, but also inform our patients. Yeah, they, they saw a kink in our armor because, you know, the public is not necessarily thinking that, uh, that, that the people are getting that information. So we need to we need to provide it very well. So, so 
in my mind, I like what you said, you know, that the staff knows, everybody in the office knows your general recommendations, your cleanser, moisturizer, sunscreen, special ingredients that you that you think is important, like you said, the antioxidants and, and others, right? And so you right. have it for normal, quote, regular skin or however we want to <laughs> say that normal skin dry skin oily skin uh, but what about patients what about some of the specifics i mean when i see uh i see a lot of hispanic patients you know so i i try to think about what are the things that are important to them or african american patients i have you know Caucasian patients and other different groups, Indians, people from the Middle East. Are there any specifics that you find in general? And I realize we can't generalize 100%, but common themes that when you're seeing a specific background of an individual, you find important to them to address, right? Because that's that. I think that's very important and very it's, realistic. It's very important, and there's a lot of controversy about you know recommendations for sunscreens for patients with darker skin, right? So I think it's okay to make some generalizations based on data. We have data. We know a lot about the differences, for instance, in skin concerns. Um, we have information on the aging and uh, what what aging or beauty concerns we have from different races or ethnicities. So I think there are data to fall back on. And we know that pigmentation, for instance, is something that patients with darker skin tones are going to come to the dermatologist about. Even patients with acne sometimes come to see me and I'm putting them on an acne regimen and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What about my dark spots? So right. we know that, right? And so if that's the case and you do see a considerable amount of those patients, then we need to have some way of addressing that as part of you know what you offer, whether it's things like cystiamine or topical tranexamic acid products. All of those are available to incorporate into the regimen. And I like to find unique ways to incorporate those into a regimen, right? So if I have a patient, um, an African-American patient, darker skin type, and they come to me for acne, I know I need to, as a dermatologist, I know I need to get that acne under control if I'm going to have a fighting chance against the, against the dark spots. But when they look in the mirror, all they see are their dark spots. So for instance, what I do for those patients uh, is I start incorporating mild treatments from the beginning. And we can do that as simple as a, a toner. So there are toners that we sell that contains salicylic acid mixed with glycolic acid. So I'm giving them some acne treatment, but I'm also putting medicine in there that has the potential to exfoliate more and work on that pigment pathway. And you if tell them some, that. That's part oh, of Oh, I definitely yeah, tell right. them that. You're telling yeah. them that. And the other thing that does for the patients is, you know, it it takes us out of this battle that we constantly find ourselves in where patients are using products that they feel like are essential but are really not doing anything for their skin. So how many of our patients are using toners or astringents? They're using witch hazel. And you cannot get them to divorce <laughs> the idea of not using a toner. It, 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 it just shuts down the communication between right. doctor and patient because they're like, wait a minute, I don't need a toner. I've been using a toner all my life. So Wh in within, this instance, within five minutes of being out of your office, <laughs> they've, come, they've contacted a thousand 
thousand friends don't exactly. go to this doctor. Don't they don't know there. what they're doing. Right. Exactly. Right? Because they're being bombarded <laughs> with ads and they're being bombarded with all of these uh, influencers that are saying, okay, and this is a toner you need or you need a toner. And so instead of engaging in that battle and trying to get them to not use a toner, I give them one with ingredients that I believe in that are going to help address their their problems or their unique issues. So can we get into some specifics um, on, you know, details that will help me when I'm selecting specific, let's say, products or products that contain certain things that you think are important for dry skin, oily skin, Mm -hmm. and then maybe patients will pick acne and rosacea. Okay. We'll just pick those as examples because we go over everything. I'll keep you from your, your meetings. And we both, we both got a lot to do today with that. So uh, why don't you give that a shot? So I think it's uh, for patients that have dry skin, we do need to consider uh, whether, you know, they're of African descent or not, because we know that they have uh, fewer ceramides in the skin, right? So this is all basic science research that we know. So we need to replenish that. So when we're talking to them about moisturizers, uh, we need to make sure that we're adding moisturizers that have ceramides or they have ceramide uh, building properties to them. So that's very, very important, right? That skin barrier, if it's compromised, it's going to lead to more hyperpigmentation. So if you take a darker skin patient, you really want to hammer that in. And some people don't want to be greasy all day, but they can compromise with at night. So if I can get them, for instance, a gel moisturizer for the morning so that they're not super oily throughout the day, uh, but they're using a thicker, creamier moisturizer at night. That um, that, ser- that ceramide containing, and we have a lot of main brands. We have them sitting. We have these things sitting on our sample shelves. We and have you a, can sell right them, right? And you can sell them, right? So again, we're sending them to the drugstore, but a lot of these things you can sell in your office. So why not take advantage of that? Um, and then patients get it, and you know they're getting it. How many times do we tell someone to go get an OTC product, and you know they actually go get it? There's a study on that, and it's not as often as we would like. I'm appalled because all my patients listen to me. Okay, <laughs> they they, probably, well, they listen, they, but to act <laughs> is very different than to listen. The, right? Attention to detail with the words. Right. <laughs> but, my sister's an attorney, so she she's all about the the words. Yeah, she'll catch um, she'll catch you up when you're sitting around a dinner table at a at a holiday or something. Exactly, right? and I think that also for for instance for dry patients, the onus is on us as medical doctors to keep up with uh, what's out there. So even if you have a medical staff member that's you know looking through social media or or talking with their friends, and they hear terms like double cleansing, right? So. There are tons of dermatologists that may, you know, shun double cleansing, but do they really understand the properties of an oil-based cleanser and how beneficial that can be for patients that have dry skin or eczema-prone skin? Uh, oil-based cleansers help remove makeup, right? So, what, so they're what's the double? What, what's the double part of that? So they will typically use. Um, so, I, for instance, if for I have patients, they have hyperpigmentation. They're wearing a ton of makeup. If I give them a gentle cleanser, which I want them to use because I'm giving them also retinoids and other medicines that may irritate their skin, it's not removing their makeup, right? And so what do they do if I just tell them to use this 
uh, hydrating cleanser that just feels like lotion. It's not getting their makeup off. So what are they going to do? They're going to use some harsh astringent makeup remover, something that may actually damage their skin. And so I work with them and, and I often will tell them to use an oil-based cleanser because like dissolves like. So it's all rooted in science. So using these oil-based cleansers first to remove their makeup and then go back with the gentle cleanser. So we haven't stripped the skin, but we've essentially cleared their face of makeup. We're still using our hydrating cleanser, so we're not irritated by our retinoids. Um, and we're using savvy terms, which patients like. And it, it also helps to educate them. I love to talk to my patients because they're hearing these things and they're curious about them, but they don't really understand the science behind it. And that helps me to connect with the patients when I just take a moment to talk to them about it, even if it's something I'm not in favor of, you know, I bring up those topics and I explain to them why I, you know, am not in favor of that particular skincare trend. So in general, okay, before we get to, I want to go back to the hyperpigmentation uh, some, because I think that's a real challenge. I, you know, in, in my residency, I was fortunate enough to have a trainer that wanted to make sure that I've, saw all different types of patients in the community, mm -hmm. not just one particular group of patients. So I did see a lot of African-American patients and Hispanic patients, darker skin individuals down in, in South Florida, right, in Fort Lauderdale area. And a lot of them would say, the dark spots are what bother me the most, like you said. I, the all acne the bumps and things are going to go away. It's the dark spots. And when you when you address that before they bring it up, they're impressed. You, it, it really helps that connection. Because it they really realize does. you're attuned to them, right? That you know what's going on. It it builds a really good bridge between the, the clinician and, and, and the patient. But what are some of the other things, before we get to hyperpigmentation ingredients, you mentioned antioxidants and others that you think are important to have in the products. And maybe some of the products and things that you know the delivery of those is better. They're not just right. in there, but not doing anything. How do you differentiate that? Yeah. So I think we'd be surprised. I've actually sat with a, a lot of different companies and I get the chance to go behind the scenes as part of what I do and um, look at their research, look at data. And I'm very surprised with uh, the products that actually have effective ingredients that are reaching your skin <laughs> and delivering that product. Um, so I think it's very, very important that we have antioxidants. Again, all rooted in science now. So what are the specific ingredients that you're looking for that are the antioxidants that you think are actually going to do something? I really like ascorbic acid or tetrahexyl decal ascorbate, which is a more lipophilic form of vitamin C. I think that those, of course, are really important ingredients for skin, not just because of their antioxidant properties, but they also have effects on melanogenesis as well. So you're getting more bang for your buck. But if we look at the science of, of ascorbic acid, because um, that's where a lot of the research was, you know, most of the studies show benefit using it twice a day, which <laughs> most of my patients are using it in the morning. I hear a lot of people recommending just put it on in the morning. But to really get a big bang for your buck, you, you need to put it on twice a day. And so we can find different ways to incorporate it twice a day. There are 
there are serums, there are toner pads, there are moisturizers. And so I try to keep patients' regimens simple. So when I can get an ingredient, a potent ingredient into a moisturizer, for instance, it's really helpful because then they don't have to, you know, they can use some other toner or some other serum as opposed to having to layer on serum after serum after serum. So definitely the vitamin C's. Uh, I also really do love niacinamide. I'm not a huge fan of niacinamide specifically for uh, pigmentation, which I see it getting preached a lot about pigmentation. But niacinamide, usually between three and five percent, is a very potent antioxidant. And there are actually research studies showing improvement in Um, collagen um, disorders like lupus, discoid lupus. So we know that this has an antioxidant effect on the skin. You can see that it's working well. And it also works on what we call the Maillard reaction, which is this yellowing or browning of the skin um, that occurs. And so I think that's really uh, where it shines as opposed to its... um, depigmenting properties, which, which in my opinion are, are fairly weak. So and what about ingredients in general, not necessarily the full court press against patients with post-inflammatory hyperpigmentation, or, but things, you know, patients that have maybe some little bit of mild melasma type hyperpigmentation or just general in their skin. And those can include even lighter skin individuals that get some Absolutely. darker areas, not just darker skin, what are some of the general ingredients you like to see in their moisturizer, their general moisturizer they're using, for example, or an additional product? Glycolic acid, for sure. It's underutilized, in my opinion. So it works on pigmentation. There are also um, receptors on on the fibroblasts and the dermis for for AHAs and glycolic acid. Uh, And we know it's an exfoliant and a moisturizer. So that is probably at the top of the list. I really do feel like it's underutilized. We just need to make sure the concentration isn't too high or you reduce the frequency to a tolerable frequency. But that's definitely one we should have. It's anti-aging and a depigmenting agent, an exfoliator and moisturizer. How about if they, if they throw an azelaic acid or one of the others? Exactly. Azelaic acid is another good one. So again, it, it has obviously anti-inflammatory effects. We can use it for acne, but it works in pigmentation as well. And there are products out there that combine azelaic acid and glycolic acid, either in serums or toners. So that's a great option. And then topical tranexamic acid uh, in lower concentrations. So of course, it's not as potent as your prescriptions, but there are studies that show that it, it works on pigmentation. So Dr. Fry, thank you so much. I've learned a lot. And what what this has taught me is I'm going to come back to you for another podcast down the line where we maybe can get into some specific products and how you use them. Uh, but I, I know you have some lectures to do and you're busy there at the AD. I appreciate you giving time to this dermatologist that loves learning more about what you do. And you do a great job. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Derms and Conditions. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at dermsquared.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-E-R-M-S-Q-U-A-R-E-D.com. Podcast at dermsquared.com.